Closer. You got anything to drink? You do? I got one. Yeah. Cool. All right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Counterculture Podcast. I'm your host, Justin. And today I'm joined by my friend, Ryan Stetz. What's cracking, dude? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, a lot. A lot? Crack. Yeah. Lots. That's good. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, man. So, Ryan and I have known each other for how long, would you say? Oh, uh, well, high school. I mean, yeah. we met at least there. Probably hung out a couple times. Definitely in college. Yep. And that was at least ten years ago. I mean. So yeah, years. Like probably fourteen years or something like that. Probably. Right. I'm yep. thirty. How old are you? Thirty-three. Thirty-three. So, dude, damn, time flies yeah. by. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm I'm still friends with quite a few. I'd say actually a lot of people from high school. Yeah. Are you? Well, they're good like relationships to keep you, yeah. you're tight you trust them you know them you know for sure that yeah but i'm also not friends with a lot of people from like high school and college days too yeah for the same reason for the same reason because <laughs> yeah. i don't trust them <laughs> no stuff <better>. like that <laughs> yeah dude so um why don't you give a brief synopsis of like who you are what you do stuff like that um okay well let's start with um high school okay and then getting out okay um, well, in high school, I wasn't really in sports. I was in bands, so I was a guitarist. Mm -hmm. um, so I was in and out of bands throughout high school. Coming out of high school, I did that for about a year. Tried to go to college, dropped out. Um, then I was like, oh, I should probably get my shit together. So I started lifting. That's like at 19 years old, I started lifting. Um, and then I joined the Army. Well, you went to college before the Army? For a year. Really? Yeah, I, tr I gave oh, it a shot. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, it didn't work. That's it. Last this long. <laughs> okay, that's wild though. That's something that I I didn't know. Did you go to like uh like WCTC or like a trade school? Uh, UW Waukesha. Okay. Yeah, I was studying music. Nice. So what was the? Why did you decide to go from school to the army? Because you could have done a million other things when you figured out that school wasn't it. Well, I got I got injured okay. um, at work. It was like some weird. It's a long story, but someone dropped a box of laundry detergent on my thumb. Really? And I got like a nasty infection and I like, <laughs> no I way. basically had to drop out and like I was, my grades weren't good anyways. Yeah. So it was like, you know, I'm like, I, I can't go back to college. Like my grades are so bad. I need to do some, you know, figure something out. Right. Yeah. And so I think. My, Bring that mic just a little yeah. closer to you. You know, Jack Daly, right? Yeah. Mutual friend, Jack Daly. Yeah. He calls me up. He's like, oh, I'm joining the army. You should do it. And I'm like, and then I watched uh, Full Metal Jacket. No. Uh, yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. That's, that looks fun. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. A movie? Yeah. Okay. All right. Whatever. <laughs> Sweet. How long were you in the military for? Uh, six years. Six years. Why did you decide to leave? Uh, it wasn't a career for me. Like, okay. I, I learned the lessons I wanted to get out of the experience and everything. Sure. Um, but I just... Yeah, I knew my knees wouldn't hold up. Like, I've got flat feet, which, like, you know, they let me in. They used to not let you in if you For had... flat feet? Yeah, right. Really? Well, because you march and you have armor and all this stuff. And you have plantar fasciitis or something. You're yeah. By, by, like, year five, I, my knees and my ankles, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to make it 20 yeah. years career, 20, 30 years career in this and, like, go through all that. Um, there are a few other things, too. I wanted to focus on school. So, like... Once I got back from my deployment and basic, I went back to college yep. and got my psychology degree, you know, really good grades and everything. And so, What's crazy about that, too, is you said that you weren't good at school mm -hmm. in the beginning. 
I remember you being really into school when you came out of the military yeah. and going back. What do you think shifted? Was it like you got the discipline from the military? Well, the, the point of, I mean, one of the points of going into the military was to get the discipline so that I could go back to school. It would be paid for, right? Yep. Um, but I wasn't going to, basically, I wasn't going to go through basic, through a deployment in Afghanistan, and then get C's. Yeah. I, <laughs> that would probably look pretty a certain way. Yeah. Not just that, but like I, after going through that experience and the whole point of all that experience was yeah. so that I could tackle this goal that I failed at the first time around. Yeah. Um, so I just went at it full force and I was a different person when I came at it. So do you feel like when, uh, so when you made the decision to go to the military, was it partially because you felt like you were lacking discipline in your life? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you so know, it wasn't just the full metal jacket movie. It wasn't. No, that, yeah. that, that <laughs> kind of got me like jacked up for it, jacked up for yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. But, but I knew after going through the experience, I'd be who I needed to be on the other end of it. Sure. Um, and that's what happened. You know, I, f okay. I felt like I got what I needed out of it so that I could come back to civilian life and succeed because I was not succeeding. Okay. I also was, you know, when I was in college, I was still in bands. Yep. So I think I was like, my focus was split between two things and music was like my actual passion, not mm -hmm. the school. Yeah. So like I got great grades in music theory and like the stuff that I could take and use yeah. in my band, but like my math class, my English class, no, I was You're talking about the first time that you went to college? First, time, first time. Okay. Second right. time I was for like, oh, maybe like six or seven months. I actually got kicked out of that band because I was too dedicated to school. Really? They're like, you'll never tour with us. Like we can't take it to the next level yeah. with you in the band. And I'm like, mm, you're right. Yeah. Did they ever end up touring without you? A little. Yeah. A little. Yeah. So Ryan was in a band in high school. Um, wait, don't tell me the name. My... <laughs> yeah it's the abbreviated version fuck what was it method of madness method of madness yeah yeah what did you call it though? mom mom yeah mom, mom. Method of madness. Mom. that's right <laughs> yeah and you guys were actually really good thanks yeah um it was a metal band did i say that yeah, yeah it was a metal band they did really well and typically what you do see with those people is that they are not disciplined at all like in yeah bands, right like i was in a pretty decently successful band in high school too um, we were supposed to go to California and record with this like studio and stuff and I was not disciplined at all But the common theme that I see is that passion is the driver Yeah, right? and so like you don't necessarily have to be super disciplined because you're gonna get the things done You're regardless. gonna you're gonna play guitar seven days a week anyway because you exactly. like to do it right It doesn't matter the time, right. you know that type of thing. So I guess when you come when you came out of the military I've always been pretty driven. Oh, okay. So like, so in the bands, you know, that I was in like Method of Madness, you mm -hmm. know, Ryan Cato was in that band. Yep. Um, I was pretty much usually the one, um, band practice was at his place because he had the drum kit. It's not like he's going to bring that yeah. somewhere else. Um, but it was usually me saying like, okay, band practice is happening this week at this time. Yeah. Like everyone show up and sure. like if they were late, I'd give them a hard time. You know, I was the one kind of making sure that it happened and that we were on schedule and that we yeah. were writing the songs. And now I, I didn't have anything to do with uh, booking shows or anything like that. So I had help with that. Yeah. But as far as like making band practice happen, I was writing the songs and you know, like they would kind of do their part too, but I would always have stuff to kind of go off of to get us started, you know? So I think, and we'll probably get into this as we like continue talking, but a common theme that I do see with you throughout, cause I'm, cause I know you is passion. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, um, 
I think that that, because you were so passionate about it, that is the reason why you were the one like scheduling the stuff, right? As mm -hmm. the other guys may not have, like it seems cool to be in a band. And yeah. that's probably more so what it was for them. And people mistake that as passion. That's why they don't like necessarily succeed in all the endeavors that they do try, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of those guys, we don't have to call them out, but I feel like they're not on the same track as you now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say, you know, like the, the people in that band, you know, they're all kind of successful and found their little corner of the universe that they're happy in and that you know, yeah. they're, they're doing well for themselves. But I, I've always been kind of like an all in. Yeah. Obsessed. And that's like, what I mean. I don't mean to. I'm not trying to say anything bad about anything that they're yeah. doing or whatever. Like what they I'm, probably have better blood pressure readings than me, you know, probably, <laughs> probably that. Hey, me too. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> My blood pressure goes through the roof the way I think about things or feel about things. All right, so anyway, you, you make it out of the military, you go to school, and then what? Um, make it through school. Uh, then, you know, I try a couple things. I, so I get out of the military mainly at that time so that I could focus on graduate school because I got into graduate school. Uh, but the program that I went to, it wasn't really what I thought it would be, and I wasn't... You have to be, you have to be obsessed to yep. get through a thesis mm -hmm. or a dissertation, you know, like, four to eight years of advanced research and like essays that are a hundred pages long, you know, like you have to be pretty obsessed about it. And I just wasn't that excited about the topic that I, you know, of the graduate program, you know, there were things that I wanted to do and then they were like, Oh, that doesn't really work for us. Like we don't believe in those things yeah. or this or that. And I'm like, well, then I'm out, you know, what was your, um, so it was, uh, industrial organizational psychology. So, okay. In my mind, what I thought it was going to be was, or at least what I wanted to study, I would study personalities and then see how they mesh in a team in a corporate environment. Oh. Something like that. That's interesting. Right. Um, but the personality metrics that they wanted to use, they relied or trusted the big five, which is 100% real. It's a really good metric. But I feel like it leaves a lot on the table. Okay. Um, I like the MBTI. It's, that's kind of controversial. Um, the MBTI has its roots in psychoanalytical psychology, which has been like left to rot by the academics these days. Okay. Um, so like that's like Freud, that's like Carl Jung. Yeah. Um, the Carl, weirdos. The weirdos, but yeah. you know everyone knows what introvert extrovert is, mm -hmm. and without them, there's that concept wasn't a thing. Do you think they're misunderstood? A hundred percent. Yeah, I do too. A hundred percent. I think they're to a degree. I don't. I'm, I don't know if there's really a conspiracy or not, but like they were so on the nose with some things yeah. that I feel like ac academia was like, we got to like. Yeah. So if you, if you actually like study them without the, I guess the university yeah. telling you what to study with them, they're so much more interesting and tapped in. This is my opinion. You can call me woo woo. You can call me crazy. But they're tapped into some like really strange shit, dude. Like yeah. they talk about the esoteric stuff right. in their in their teachings. Uh, yeah, we don't have to get into it, but it, that's it. Uh, people watching or listening, just go ahead and Check do your own out. research on them. Yeah, it, on them. Basically, the, the the brief version is we had these all these philosopher types in the psychology field that were like focused on the mind and really uncovering yeah. mysteries and really finding stuff that makes a lot of sense. And then somewhere in the '60s they wanted psychology to become a science like everything else, like mm -hmm. physics. 
And so they focused solely on behavior. Skinner and behaviorism became a thing. Yeah. And we can measure behavior. We can't measure the mind and all this right. stuff. So then all the, all the fun stuff, all the stuff that you, you study psychology to try to learn about, yeah. you don't really get to learn about it in college too much. So. And now what I truly think it is, is they wanted, you know, they wanted to turn it into a science because they wanted to tame us somehow. It could be. <laughs> like and put rules around like behaviors and stuff like that. Not that I don't think that like people should be tame in certain senses mm -hmm. or whatever, but I don't know. We could get into the conspiracies about it. Cause I'm, tr I truly think that like, obviously like, I don't know the sixties, seventies, stuff like that, sexual revolution. They want to tame men yeah. and like keep, you know, like make, not that this is bad, but like give women more power and stuff like that, you know, and then start the, uh, they wanted to get them in the workplace. Yeah, there's just a whole I mean, lot really of stuff that, get, that we could get into. I think that a lot of it is a good is is good. It was done for good, but then you have the invention of like SSRIs and all these like psych psych like mm -hmm. psycho what we say psychotic medications. Yeah, and, you know all that. But anyway, well here t kind of a tangent, but yeah. like so I wanted to study this. I felt like you know the MBTI was a good measure of you know, it's kind of like the 16 personality types. Yeah. There's I don't probably think that I even that, know about that, but I, I find it really, I found it really fascinating. It resonated with me and I felt like it's something I could apply to that sort of thing. But they were like, no, that's, that's woo woo. It's fake. Can't study it. So I'm like, well then I don't, I don't really see how I accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish with the big five, you know? So yeah. But also, isn't that the whole point of science to see if things hold legitimacy? Like, well, this is what I learned. And this, it's funny that this happened a couple of years before COVID, which, uh, let's not get this podcast taken down, but, yeah. um, I what know. I learned is that you can't get a study funded unless it's built on other studies that already received funding. Dude, I just, okay, go ahead. <laughs> so like, if you have an idea, like a fresh idea and you, and you think like, Oh, I think this, it would be interesting. Even if it fails, even if we find out that this is not real, you know, you can't get it funded. So we, we just did a podcast with our friend Aaliyah, who's like, uh, she's a CrossFit athlete. She's trying to go pro, whatever. But she was in school for neuroscience and then she was going to get her PhD in neuroscience. And like, I guess she says like a master's degree in neuroscience. People will be like, what even is that? Because it's like, like null and void. Mm. Like it doesn't matter. Mm. But um, she like, she was doing research for a year or something. And then when she was like trying to get her master's or her PhD, whatever it is, I'm mixing up words, but um, she basically said the same thing. Like she couldn't, they couldn't do certain studies because they didn't want to fund the studies because somebody has already done that study. So like you couldn't repeat it because <laughs> it might not be repeatable. And like they already found what they wanted to find out of it. Yeah. So like you can't get it funded, you know. So I, I kind of got burnt from, it's funny because I got, you know, I was so devoted to academia. I got such good grades. I got into gra graduate school and then I'm like some of this is kind of bogus. Yeah. Um, and, and then part of me too is like, I think I can, you know, if you throw me in the ocean, I'm going to float at this point. So I'm just going to leave and find my way. I don't need this yeah. degree to, to be successful and be happy and all that stuff. What was that? Like, was it, was the changing point literally like you couldn't do the research that you yeah. wanted to do? That's the only, yeah. Cause I, like the classes were hard. Statistics was hard. Yeah. Um, and like you had to do like a, thesis to get your master's degree I had to pick something yeah and study that for like two years sure and this is the only thing that I could really see myself studying for two years okay and and it's and it wasn't just that it was also like the just kind of like the um just dismissal of like something that I'm pretty sure is a real thing just like oh everyone knows that's fake no yeah I'm like 
oh yeah, I'm I'm out. Right. I just had a bad vibe about it. Like I'm like, I don't want to be here in three years, miserable, knowing that I have to get through one more year. Otherwise, it's all been a waste. So yeah. might as well cut it, cut it now. For sure. Yeah. Do you feel like throughout that whole process that you were making sacrifices that you didn't necessarily want to make too? Um, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to Omaha for the program, so I was away from home and I've been deployed before, but I was probably more homesick during that time than my deployment. Cause at least the deployment, I was like busy. Yeah. I was working 12 hour shifts every day and it was like, I couldn't really think about missing home. I had to, yeah. you know, you had to like protect the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit more. Yeah. There's a little more weight to it as opposed to just like studying and being like, fuck. <laughs> let's uh let's yeah let's circle back a little bit and yeah. talk about your deployment what was that like um yeah so uh i was in the military police corps i was a prison guard um how old were you when you actually got deployed to afghanistan 20 you've gone twice 21 right 20 i was uh no just once okay um i think i turned 21 yeah i was 21 when i deployed wow um, so yeah, I, I was actually in training. I was in Texas on my 21st birthday. Cause when you're in the reserves, you spend like a month or two training before okay. you deploy. Cause <laughs> you're part-time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So my 21st year was pretty much dry. That's crazy. Yeah. Cause except my 21st for, year was not. <laughs> except for, uh, this, <laughs> I, I uh, hesitate to tell the story on camera, but if you don't want it, to, but it involved a Listerine bottle full of vodka that went down in one night. Holy shit. <laughs> well, me, I had, I had help from one friend. <laughs> Wait, like what, you were in Afghanistan. Yeah. He got, he got like a Listerine bottle full of vodka. He's like stats. I'm like what? what? <laughs> He's like, I got booze. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> you want to drink it? I'm like, Fuck yeah, I want to like, drink it. <laughs> that's hilarious. How did he get it? Uh, they just shipped it in. Like they shrink wrapped, you know, like the, the thing so it looked like it wasn't open and it's yeah. Listerine, so it's like clear. Okay. And yeah. What the fuck? And we so, drank way too much and I got way too sick and I, I almost got in trouble. Yeah, did they know? They found out? Well, we're like, eventually we got hungry. Yeah. So we're like, let's get some pizza. So we start driving over to the, like the Dutch side or whatever where the pizza truck was. And like, we didn't even make it halfway there. Like I'm like getting sick and I'm like, Oh I'm, my God, and like, dude. And we had just worked out like, I don't know, like six hours before that. So yeah. the last thing that I ate was a strawberry protein shake. Shut the fuck. And the van that we were driving is white. So I'm just like puking this pink, That's like so gross. all over the side. <laughs> That's so <laughs> gross. So that was, that was the one uh, degenerate moment of my. Were you not <laughs> able to drink when you were deployed? No. You can't drink at all. No. So. This You're not allowed to really have it in the country. I mean, it's because it, it's, it's a Muslim country. You're sure. really not supposed to have it there. But I mean, they did. People did. That's interesting to me. There was a pizza truck. Like there was food trucks on base. Pizza Hut. Yeah, you could get oh, pizza, pizza Hut, Hut there. Hut. But you had to like go to another part of the base and yeah. So it's like its own like city. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But yeah, we we ran prisons. Um, you know, we were we were. I was there in 2011, the year they got Bin Laden. Um, what was that like? I can't talk about it oh. a whole lot, but basically my unit was split apart the country Yeah, and we were attached to the same uh, detachment as SEAL Team 6 and like other like Rangers and other special forces. Yeah. So like each base and city had their own group and they would, you know, go out, grab people, try to take down the Taliban, like find out what they know, get them to narc on their friends yeah. and just take down, take it down. And so... <clears throat> You know, we were in this part of the country, you know, 
what happened with bin Laden was on the opposite side of the country. But mm -hmm. if, you know, things went down a little bit differently, like if they didn't kill him and he was in a different country instead of Pakistan, if he was in Iran and they captured him, there's a chance he could have ended up in my jail. So did, did they actually kill bin Laden? I think so. Maybe. I don't know. Think so. Maybe. Don't know. They tell me. That's what they told me. What? I kind of do want to dive into conspiracies a little bit because I know that you have like a history of like. Well, like the, here's the thing about that. So yeah, what do you? What do they you, told me. I they told me I knew that they got him before Obama announced it. They said, "Watch, like the Rangers on my base were like, we got him. I'm like, got who? Bin Laden. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and they're like, go watch the news. Go check. Go watch the news. Turn yeah. on the TV. I'm like, whatever, man. Turn on the TV. Big announcement tonight. Blah blah blah. I'm like, no shit. Yeah. Um. They got him. Right. But, then, but like, I'm a big picture. It didn't happen guy. And nowadays with deep fakes, I'm like, <laughs> even if there's pics, I don't know if it happened. Yeah. Nowadays. And, but crazy though, because they were probably using that technology back then too. To a degree. They, they yeah. had, you, you, you remember like the Godzilla movie in 2006? Fuck yeah. Well, it's still CGI. Like it's not yeah. that far from what we have now. I mean, no. if you just need to make one picture or something. And as if the government doesn't have this stuff before fucking Hollywood does. You know, right. Well, they probably work together. Exactly. Yeah. So. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll probably dive into more conspiracy stuff as we go on too. Um, so you're 21 in the military, which is crazy because when like I, at 21, dude, I never could have imagined being in the military. The only time I ever considered it was when I was 26, when COVID was going down or 27. Well, I kind of right? jumped into it like, uh, like you would into a freezing like yeah like cool, you yeah know, like you just did it yeah i was like i guess this is what i'm yeah. doing and then i just took one step after another until i was in and it was too late yeah. to, <laughs> to pull out you but know? what does that well, feel never... like at that age like in like 20 years old to 21 like oh. that whole time frame i'm like because i think personally that they put people they put kids i have two different opinions on this i think that and they're they oppose each other i think that some most are for sure thrown in too early mm you know, into the military or into the the school system, stuff like that. Yeah. But then I have this like little piece of me that like, I think maybe every 18 year old should go to the military for like a year mm -hmm. or two years. Yeah. 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 I mean, really at the end of the day, you got Russia, you got China, they're putting their 18 year olds in the military. Mm -hmm. So if you don't put your 18 year olds in the military, they're grooming them before they're going to lose yeah, the next war, sure. you know? So you got to have all these young people. They got good knees. They're you know yeah. you train them up like they're they recover instantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, how, what did that feel like? Like, um, it's, well, to some degree, it's like you know getting your bottle taken away as a baby. You know, yeah. like like you have no more freedom. Sure. You like you really do give up your freedom so other people can have it. Yeah. So I mean, you're just miserable. Like basic training, they just beat you down like with push-ups and calisthenics mm -hmm. and you know, ruck marches and they just push you way past your limits every single day Yeah, day for like, I think it's like a 12 week thing or a nine. It's only like a nine week thing, but it feels like a year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it was tough, but like probably the, the, the moment where I was like, okay, now I'm all in. Uh, cause you could always quit, you know, you could always be like, Oh, I made a mistake. Yeah. Let me go home. Give me a you know, discharge <laughs> or whatever. Sure. There were people that quit. Um, I was sick as a dog. Like everybody was sick cause you're just sleeping, you know, bunks in yeah. tiny rooms and like everyone's out. like working out super hard and like, you know, your stress is super high, your oh, yeah. immune system, super low. 
Um, I had pink eye in both my eyes, waking up at 5.30 a.m. I had to rub the crust off my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and then go out into like 40 degree weather, 35 degree weather, just above freezing. They would, we wouldn't do physical training outside if it was below freezing usually, or like if it was like below 28 as long as there's no wind, but Wait, this you was, would do it. We, so? we would only if there's no wind, if it was very cold, but like, if it was like too brutal, they would just do it inside. But this was like right on the edge, you know, or like we're going out. Fuck. Fuck. We're running, that. we're running eight miles today. Yeah. Eight miles today. <laughs> In freezing weather like that with like ultra pink eye. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I got through that. And after that, I was like, I don't know if I can do, I don't know if I can do this. And you know, another week goes by, I'm getting stronger, just tougher. I, I heal from it and I'm like, I'm in now. Like I can't, I'm not going back after going through that. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough. I think, you know, eight, every 18 or 19 year old, I don't think you need to join the military to get that experience, but it works. It, it works, works for 100%. just about everybody. Yeah. yeah. When, when you're like that young and you're doing this, do you feel like you're missing out on life at all? Do you feel like there are things that like other people are getting to experience that you envy or is it well, more so just like I'm doing what I'm doing? I had a lot of fun in high school cause I was in yeah. bands. <clears throat> sure. So yeah. I had what the experience a lot of people have in college. I had it when I was like 16, 17, 18. Yeah. Okay. So, sense. you know, I was, I had drinking party, you know, I went yeah. to drinking party. I did all that. I kind of did all that stuff already. Yeah. Not that I had it out of my system or anything, but you know, like I, I, I had my fun. I had enough fun that I didn't feel like I was really missing out on the college life, especially since I dropped out. So. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> I um, I agree with you, but I also think that it's like a different, it's a different experience, right? When you're in high school doing all that stuff, and then when you oh, go to sure. college and yeah. when you go to the bars and stuff. So one thing that I did when I was younger, and I did this intentionally, people thought I was fucking crazy for it for some stupid reason. <laughs> Um, I didn't ever get a fake ID mm. because I didn't want to go to the bars until I was able to go to the bars because I have, since I was young, have looked at life in chapters, mm. right? And I think that's due to my mom, to be honest. Um, cause she would always be like, like really enjoy your childhood because it's the only time you're going to get to be a child. Don't grow up too fast. And that really stuck with me when I was like 14 years old. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking like, oh shit, like, yeah, I'm not going to have total freedom mm. at some point, you know? And so like I, I moved in chapters. So like finally when I got to be 21, it was like bittersweet to like go to the bar for the first time, you know, like mm -hmm. I had gone to like up North bars or whatever, like, but it wasn't the same experience as like going on water street, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that type of thing. Um, so my mind just got super jumbled. So anyway, yeah, I so look at shit like that. For you, so maybe like turning 21 and not going out to the bars and doing that thing. No, not like, necessarily that's that when you do it. It could be that, but also I feel like, um, you said that you like had the experience already, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess it, yeah, I guess that is what I'm saying is that it would, it would be kind of hard for yeah. me. It would have been hard for me at least then, I because mean, like I had waited that whole time. You know? I mean, it's not like I didn't, you know, when yeah. I, I had goals and I had priorities, you know, like I wasn't going to let drinking or going out to the bars, get in the way of my fitness, get in the way of school, which mm -hmm. was like priority number one and like other stuff. So I, you know, I, I was able to moderate you know, the amount of partying and the amount of that so that it didn't interfere with any of that stuff. But I mean, yeah, I, st I definitely enjoyed my twenties and had you always been that way? Like even, um, being no. in bands and stuff. 
Being what? Like being in bands. Have you always been like, I'm not going to let things get in the way of this goal? Well, when you're in a band, it's kind of like, and I think comics are the same thing. Like, you know, drugs and alcohol don't, Part of it. don't, inter, don't like negatively interfere with that at all. Sometimes yeah. they enhance it. But like a girl or something, like, would you let anything get in the way of writing music, being in the band practice? No. And, and it's the, the writing, the music that was before I was in shape. So like, that's what made me attractive to girls. Ah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, <laughs> so I they didn't want me to stop. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, no, I want to sit right next to you while you write that riff. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. So then you get your, we're out of the military at this point. No, no. Let's talk about Afghanistan more. Okay. Okay. If you're cool with it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what was that like that experience like being away from your friends? Mm. Well, you have friends now. You have a brotherhood, yeah. right? What is that whole experience like though? Being away from family, being in Afghanistan across the world or across the plane, I don't, whatever you believe. I think when you're younger, yeah. you don't really realize just what you're doing. Okay. Like if you were to ask me, hey, would you go do that again, like today? Like, fuck no. Yeah, yeah. No way, I don't, I'm, I'm gonna live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not dying, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, so like, I didn't realize, you know, how much danger I was in. I wasn't like front lines or anything like that. I was a prison guard, but you know, I probably had one of the more dangerous jobs in the, it's called a FOB, like one of the more dangerous jobs on the FOB. Okay, So What's FOB? A forward operating base. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I didn't go past the wire and go out into enemy territory or anything like that, but all the thugs that they grabbed, they would bring them to us. Yeah. And we would have to watch them. That's fucked. I would have to take them to the bathroom, to, the por- to a portageon. They have small peepees. I, did, I tried not to look. <laughs> <laughs> I tried not to look. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, now what's, what's interesting about my Keyword job. Keyword tried. Tr- tried not to yeah. look. There was, <laughs> dude, I, there was a giant, yeah. literal giant. Um, you know Blanca from uh, Street Fighter? Yeah. Like the green monster yeah. guy? That's how this guy was built. Hold on one second. We ended at a very awkward point. <laughs> All right, camera is back on. I didn't realize that it was off, but we were just talking about the giant in the jail cell. Anyways, this guy's shoulders were twice as wide as any person I've ever met. Okay. Like like Andre the Giant, but maybe a foot shorter. Bigger than me, wow. Oh, way bigger. <laughs> way bigger. Yeah. yeah, like way too, like, are you human? Yeah. Like you're shaped like a human, but the shape is too big. But are you? Anyways, um, I, f- I forgot how we got to this conversation, but there were a lot of, cr- you know, crazy you know, prison prisoners that we had, cause it was a high churn. Like they would only stay for a few days and then either we'd release them back, you know, or we'd send them up for, you know, more intelligence. So mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people come through and, um, you could tell like after a while you could tell who was guilty, who wasn't by looking them in the eyes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Cause they had crazy eyes. They had like, just the psycho, like cold eyes where they're not scared, really. Yeah. They're, like, too calm for the situation they're in. Mm-hmm. The ones that were, like, freaking out. Now, some of the ones that were freaking out were also guilty. It was an act. Well, no, like, they did something wrong, and they were, that's why they were freaking out. Okay. But most of the ones that you really had to look out for, like, you could tell because they were just, like, not 
afraid of anything. Sure. Um, they're psychos probably. Yeah. So do you think that this was, um, now that you're saying this stuff, do you think that this had something to do with the reason why you went to school for psychology? Um, no, uh, I, no, cause I, I was already kind of interested in that. That was, okay. that was like the only other than music. That was the only thing that I was, well, no, I was, uh, was a kinesiology major first. Oh, really? Yeah, I did that for a year or two. And then I was like, the mind is so much more interesting than the yeah. body. You know, the body's interesting for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but without the mind, what's the body, you know? Yeah. I remember you being, I think it was you. No, it was you that told me something about sociopaths and the way that they smile. And you're like, if there's no crow's feet on the eye. Yeah, they're that, not smiling with their eyes. Yeah. And that's like an indicator of sociopaths. Did you know that before you went to Afghanistan? I don't think I did. Huh, I don't think I did, but I could see, you know, you could just tell, you can just tell when you're looking at someone and they're like, yeah, looking at you like a serial killer would look yeah. at you. you am know? I, a, am I a sociopath? Not at all. <laughs> 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 Not all. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. So I'm not, you know, uh, I think that those terms are thrown around, are thrown around oh, yeah. so much. Narcissist is the one that's oh, around too much. Oh my God, dude, please don't get me started on that. I've had that conversation with so many people the past two years about narcissism, like it's so much less common than you think it is. Or is that how you would say that? Less common? It's not as mm -hmm. common as you would think that it is. And people throw that term around so much that there is zero weight to it. Yeah. There's zero weight to it. Like people are like, that dude's a narcissist or whatever. I'm like, no, he's fucking not. No, he's not. It's you, not fair. Yeah. It's really what you're saying when you. Exactly. Yeah. It's not fair. Yeah. It's not my fault. Now who's the narcissist? Yeah, <laughs> but actually though, right? Like you, yeah. could, you could make that argument. I'm, and it, but I'm perfect, so I mean, yeah. it couldn't be my fault. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't have put any hand in this bad <laughs> thing that happened to me. It's their fault for being so mean and narcissistic. Yes, dude. I just, I just, no. I've only met, I think, one person who I truly think is a narcissist, and you actually know him. We're we have close ties with this person. Okay. And he's the one person that I ever, because I realized from some series of events that happened this year <clears throat> that this person only does nice things to say that they do nice things mm -hmm. or for the optics of it, mm -hmm. right? That that's the only reason that they do it or have done it. They own like everything to them is about image. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like, the things that they buy or like the reason that they want to like have encounters with some people again mm -hmm. is to like prove that they've done something or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, this is fucking weird. Like mm -hmm. when I look at my history with the person, very political. It's what a politician does. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. Do, do you think that that's narcissistic? Um, it could be. Yeah. And they'll throw people under the bus. Like with yeah. uh, like that might be more actually sociopathic. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the, which they, there's a, big overlap comorbidity or whatever yeah between those things okay and then the last thing is that um i believe in loyalty right like i'm a loyal person so if one of my home dude i still have um what is it called when you hold on to grudges mm. against people from high school because they did my friends wrong mm. like i still won't fuck with those people because mm. of that right i'm big on loyalty but this person that i'm talking about will their best friend will have drama with somebody and they, he will be having side conversations with that person and consoling with that person about the drama that's with his best friend. Yeah. And I'm like, you're playing two sides there. That's fucking weird, bro. Yeah. That's fucking weird. I don't talk to the person at all anymore. Yeah. I mean, I've been in situations where it's like two friends of mine are 
upset with each other and they both come to me and I like I'm trying not to pick a side or anything but you like can't. but they're like what do you think blah 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 it's like well yeah that that's wrong but like yeah. you could do that you know there's a way to play that but there is uh, yeah yeah totally but if this person if the other person isn't really like a good friend of yours like you have you have limited <laughs> and the only like, reason you're talking to them is cuz of what's going on yeah and Maybe. you have limited like actual um interaction with them in the first place and the only reason that they come to you is because of the drama with your fucking best friend like yeah, that's, and now you're consoling with the bitch yeah some people are they just get off on that stuff it, that's so weird. weird that yeah, has to be it. sociopathic right or narcissistic there's something going yeah yeah there's something going on with that for sure <laughs> i don't know if we're using the right words but anyway narcissism <laughs> the most overused please stop fucking using that yeah. word because it's just it's likely that you have not even encountered a narcissist yeah in all like yeah yeah so anyway i think yeah so anyway <clears throat> you didn't know that but then getting out I feel like um, d that didn't bleed into your decision-making at all with college, huh? You don't think, at least? It might have. Okay. It might have. Um, I've always liked that stuff, though. Like, I've liked, you know, movies. I like psychological thrillers. Yeah. Um, you know, music. Like, I think that music and psychology is really closely tied. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll tell you this. I did get the opportunity when I was joining the Army to be intelligence and to, nice. to do, um, like, interrogation like human intelligence yep and i passed it up because i was like well i'm joining the army to you know do something badass like i'm not trying to get shot at exactly yeah but like prison guard that seems like somewhere in the middle yeah you know yeah, yeah. um and then i end up working with you know human intelligence people i'm like damn that looks fun like i should have did that kind of <laughs> <laughs> hey i think that your path now is much safer and probably uh yeah it's still well i mean selling cars isn't exactly good for your health I don't think. Yeah. Why don't we get into that? Um, so, so your journey has been all over the place. It kind of has. Yeah. After you get out of college, you went into a corporate setting. I did. Yeah, I did. It was something that I was uh, qualified for. I felt like oh, I should probably be good at this. Yep. Um, and you know, I don't, to this day, I don't know if I was really as bad as my boss made it seem like I was cause, sure. uh, cause I think that we had personality differences and things like that. Um, but yeah, it just, it didn't work out. And by the way, I've, I've watched other people walk down the path that I did where you're, you should t be, you should quit. Like this is not like, it's like oil meat water. It's not working. And you're just holding on, holding on, becoming yeah. more and more miserable more and more miserable like holding on for dear life yeah and you're like but i'm not i'm not gonna quit like and and it's probably like stubborn you're probably the same way like i'm not gonna quit like when you got injured you know you're like i'm not just gonna not go to the contest or i'm not gonna do this yeah. it's like no you should you should probably not yeah <laughs> it's probably no. wise to not you know i i pulled out at the very last second right yeah so i i waited to get fired yeah but i but the writing was on the wall like six months before that like yeah it, so if you're in a position like say you're at a job and you're miserable and your performance is in the gutter, you should probably pull the plug before they pull the plug on you, number one. Um, but also, you're becoming someone as you're being miserable. Mm -hmm. You're slowly building crappy habits. You're probably like, now you're eating ice cream too much. Now you're smoking more cigarettes than you should. Now yeah. you're drinking. And all of a sudden, you know, while you're trying to be this tough guy, trying not to quit, you know, and trying to be better at something that, you know, like the writing's on the wall, mm -hmm. Now you, you're digging yourself a hole. So like yeah. I dug myself a hole after that sure. where I, you know, I was not in a good emotional space Yeah. because I, it was the first time I had really failed at something in like 10 years. Wow. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's um, something I like to say a lot is live with purpose, move or live in purpose, move with intention. Mm -hmm. And that's because I truly believe that like, especially for men, um, especially for men, that if you're not living within your, your like life path or the purpose of your life, that you do shake the room up when you, when you're not following it, because like suddenly, like you said, you start eating more ice cream, you're getting in a bad mood, you're unpleasant to be around, you know, all these things. And it happens slowly. And you just think that this is who you are, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm just a cranky dude. I'm just grumpy all the time. Like, this is just who I am. It's like, no motherfucker. It's probably not. (laughs) Cause if you listen to your heart, if you listen to like your higher self or whatever, and you did the things that like you had a calling to, or at least things that were in line with what your calling is, you're likely not a grumpy person. You're probably actually a really, really pleasant person (laughs) to be around. You always hear the people, um, and it's not always with blue collar people, but a lot of blue collar people are like really fucking grumpy and not pleasant to be around, you know, and they're always complaining about money and mm-hmm. this and that. But a lot of people who like are following their path and even if they're not making a lot of money, they're not really complaining about money, right? you know, because they're happy. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I think that that's what most people need to strive with. And so you saw that in your own life. Yeah. Well, after, after that, I, I had a part-time job. I've always been kind of a hard worker. So like during that time, I also had a remote part-time job. It didn't really pay the bills, but I had enough saved up from, you know, just the years of, you know, I I was 30, I think at that point or 28, you know, so I had had enough money saved where money coming in from here and my savings, I could kind of like float as I figured out what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, You had a part, you had a remote job before COVID. Before co- and I lost it because of COVID. He's ahead of the isn't that ahead of the fucking times, dude. Um, so like after that, I I started um, getting into dubstep and like making dubstep because I I've been to a concert and it was around when I was in high school, mm-hmm. but I was more fascinated by the guitar. Finally went to a dubstep show and I was just like, what is this wizardry? Like how <laughs> are they making these sounds? What yeah. and like as someone who is good at music who knows a lot about music theory and how to play guitars. And I've never been just dumbstruck or like fooled. And it, it felt like, I don't like this. Like I gotta, you gotta I gotta figure it. this out because yeah. you know, like what is going on, right? So right. I had to figure out how to make the sounds and I really pursued that. I learned a lot doing that. Um, and that's, you know, there's gotta be a balance. You gotta follow your passion. You gotta follow um, your heart and you know, what you wanna do and you can't you know, force certain things, but you ha- also have to not live in fantasy world either. Okay, so where do you think that line is drawn? It's hard. It's super hard. I think, I think you know, almost everything I've done where it worked, it worked pretty quick. Yeah. Like if you, put, if you go all in and you do it for about six months, like give it six months. Yeah it's either working or it's not working or it's mostly working, but maybe there's a couple things and you give yourself another six months. But, um, this was like one of those things where, okay, this is working. I'm learning how to do it. I can make the music. I'm, you know, I, I got a long way to go to be great at it, but you know, I, I can make a dubstep song and I play it for people that don't make dubstep and they go, this sounds good. I feel like, um, bringing it back to all in, you gotta go all in. Yeah. Um, describe to me to you what that is. It's your full-time job. Okay. It's what you're doing most days, most of the time. Yeah. And so you think that you have to go all in to like realize the potential for six months, you know, because my struggle is when I like talk to people is like, you can't dabble. Yeah. But I don't think that anybody knows how to go all in. 
you know, and most people are scared to go all in to I think, realize their potential. I think most people have gone all in on something at some point. You think so? Yeah, even if it's like drinking. Oh, <laughs> fuck, yeah, for sure. You just but, take that and you point it at something else. But, okay, there's, there's this book, um, fuck, what's it called? I think it says the power, I think it's the power of one more. I think uh-huh. that's what it's called. And the whole thesis of the book is like, and I haven't read it either. I just know the idea because it's something that I believe in, right? The whole thesis is that you're closer to your dreams than you would think. And mm-hmm. then you're only a couple steps away. Yeah. And I 1000% agree with that. But the thing is, is that I don't think anybody actually does it because everyone's like, well, it's except for the know. people who do it. It's hard to know. Like you don't, it's kind of like the, the, there's a picture that comes to mind, like where that guy's like mining yeah. and then he gives up and it's the like gold. the gold is right there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you really never know, you know, eventually yeah. you, sometimes you hit gold and you're like, all right, it worked. Yeah. Um, but then you keep mining and mining and mining and mining and you're like, man, is there more gold in this but mine? with that, I think the caveat is how many people think they are all in when they're not. I've talked to so many motherfuckers, dude, that are like, I'm giving it everything I got. I'm giving, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm like, no, you're not like you're still smoking weed. What would happen if you just didn't smoke weed? Right. You know, or you're like, you're Netflixing at night. Mm-hmm. What would happen if you didn't Netflix at night? You still fucking play 30 minutes of video right. games a day. Right. What happened? What happens if you don't do that? Mm-hmm. So like my thing is like, and I think that people, I, and I just have this like um, delusional optimism for, and I have this like unwavering belief in everybody that I think that if ev- not everybody should do it because then a bunch of the jobs like plumbing and all that stuff probably wouldn't happen. But I genuinely think that everybody has the, uh, the ability to accomplish any goal that they want as long as they really do go all in mm-hmm. and they really do try. But where I see the fault in that is that no one really tries. And that's why you see mm-hmm. only like not even 1% of the population is like professional musicians or actors or podcasters or whatever. Because like for me, I'm not even going all in with the podcast thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going in as much as I can. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm neck deep right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not all in though. So, so with music for me, what I found, cause I, you know, I've, I went back, I went back, I, I did it. I stopped mm-hmm. doing it, went back to it. Cause it's my passion. What I found is as much as I love music, yeah. I, I am not a touring artist. I could never do it. Perfect. So, but so, so then that's not you living in a fantasy world. That's you being realistic. Well, it took me a while to figure that out. I thought yeah. like, oh, that's, that's what I want. This is what I want. Why can't I get any shows? Why am I not getting any shows? And then I finally realized like, cause you don't really want them. You're not right. really going out and trying to be like, can I play a show? Can I play a yeah. show? Cause you really just liked making music in your basement. <laughs> yeah. So like, so, okay. So there you go. But the path there could be just pursuing a recording artist career. Right. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, it might, but that's not you being um, in a fantasy world. That's you like right. trying to figure out what would the path look like right. if you were to do the thing. Right. right? So, so I've, I've invested so much into my yeah. like music career. Sure. If you can call it that, because yeah. I don't really have a career right now, but like just right. be at being a musician that like I'll never quit. Cause when you, you know, like they say, keep going. Mm-hmm. Like I just, every once in a while, I pick up my guitar. I, I just keep progressing a little bit, a little bit. Who knows? Maybe COVID will happen again. I lose my job and now I got a whole year to devote to this. So I, I'm yeah. still a little warm. I'm fresh. I, I can. And maybe TikTok one day you just decide I'm going to post a riff on TikTok and then every artist is sampling it and you just make right. like $10,000 and you're like, holy shit. You never know. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. I was trying to explain that to somebody yesterday, dude. He was giving me every excuse 
Jai, you motherfucker, this is you. He's giving me every <laughs> excuse why he can't release his music yet. He's like, December oh, yeah. 4th is when I'm going to release my music because he needs a music, you need a it's music never, video. It's never perfect. Dude, he's telling me that he doesn't want to do TikTok because that's not how people consume music or whatever. You fucking serious? It's TikTok got a music is the note main, but TikTok, the yeah. Icon. It's literally what it's the, the brand is. And logo. TikTok is the main way people are finding artists now. It is the way people are getting discovered. Yep. You know, it's just like, but the other thing that I think is that everybody's waiting for the perfect timing, the perfect situation, the perfect, like everything, the stars need to be aligned. It's like, no, you need to do the steps there until the stars are aligned. Yeah. That way it's there when they align. Exactly. Yeah. And you have the, the catalog or you have like, mm -hmm. like this podcast, I'm racking up episodes and like some of them are getting really good views and listens and stuff like that. So with the day when my stars are aligned, I have a catalog where people can go back and look at it and be like, oh, he's been doing this for a little while. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So anyway, we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you or just have a conversation. Yeah. So you get done with the corporate world. You lost the job. You like yeah. do music. Oh, then COVID hits. COVID hits. So Talk COVID hits and my part-time job that's remote, I lose it. Yeah. How did that happen? Why did that happen? Well, because my job was calling different states, like different cities, different nonprofits in those cities. Hey, we have a conference coming to your city. Just letting you know, like I wasn't selling them to try to go, but just informing them. And, you know, if you want more information, let me know. I can send you more emails, blah, blah, mm. blah. Well, the conferences went away. Hmm. So there's no conference to call people about. Fuck. And so then I, yeah, then I was like completely unemployed all during, uh, I think 20, what was it? 2020. Yeah. So during 2020, I'd just watched as the world turned upside down and lit itself on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then Ryan has a really cool story during the COVID time. Cause you get really into politics at this point, you get really yes. invested. Now we can get into some, some oh, conspiracy okay. stuff. All right. What, what do you, what's your. Well, just tell me a story. So like, I remember I tell, I tell people sometimes I feel like I am responsible a little bit for red pilling you. Me? Okay. Yeah. Cause we had, oh, fuck dude. I forget. Cause I had remembered that you like, you were one of my only friends that was into the conspiracies. Cause you were into like the reptilian stuff. Was that dude's name? Um, <laughs> David Icke. <laughs> David Icke. Yeah, you were into the sure David Icke stuff. And I was like, okay, I got to send Ryan this shit about Q. Oh, yeah. I don't want to fully say it because I don't want to get banned. Actually, fuck it. I'll put this on Rumble and Kick, too. Um, I have different I, opinions about that now. Perfect. Let's talk about Very it. different opinions. But uh, I remember talking to, or like, I think, I think I introduced you to QAnon. And the reason why I introduced you to it was because my friend Stiza introduced me to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have very different opinions on it now, too. Back then, I think that like things were so crazy. Exce oh, God. Yeah, you, you couldn't. It was like fog of war. Yeah. And it was year. either you were a, you were on board with QAnon or you just weren't at all. Yeah. You know, what I mean, there was no in between yeah. at that point. And uh, so anyway, take me down your journey of getting red pilled. And oh, um, I mean, I've always had a distrust of the government, even when I was in the army. I mean, I was reading books about stuff while I was in the prison, you know, like about yeah. how the deployment that I was on was maybe not completely on the up and up. And, you know, it's like, well, yeah, why are we here 10 years after 9-11? Yeah. What kind of books did you read? Um, or do you remember what they were? Yeah. I mean, it was David Icke books probably yeah. where his, the thing that he's really good at is just showing you like zooming out a hundred, you know, by a hundred X or whatever, and yeah. just giving you the, from like, 4,000 years ago to today, you know, like yeah. how it all ties together and what's the grand conspiracy. It's really interesting stuff. And 
some of it's just undisputed. Some of it is like silly, potentially silly nonsense. But um, did you, you ever read to exposed. behold a pale horse? What's that? Did you ever read to behold a pale horse? No, no. All right, we don't need to talk about it then. All right. So, so the Q stuff. What this is my opinion on that stuff now is they gave you morsels of truth to earn your trust, mm-hmm. and then they led you off a cliff. <clears throat> okay. Why do you say that? Um, well, look at January 6th. Yeah. I think that that... Wait, who who gave you morsels of truth? Probably either the CIA or something like that. Okay. Right? Like, okay. They, they're like, how do we fool... The brothers. How do we fool all these Trump supporters? Yeah. You know, how, do we, how do we lead them astray? Sure, yeah. And I think that's what, what it is. Like, let's, let's tell them, you know, give them inside information that, like, how did they get this information? Like, it must be legit because mm-hmm. they, you know... They, you know, this is true and blah, 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 right? You think like, it was a PSYOP, though? PSYOP, 100%, and yeah. it's, it's controlled opposition. That's Yeah, so... I, and, and if you're familiar with Operation Trust, which was like a Soviet program, mm-hmm. it's basically fall, followed that step by step. Really, that playbook? Gain your trust. Yeah, like, oh, the, 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 the troops are coming. Don't worry. Hold, hold. Everything's going to be fine. You know, like, the, the troops are going to... You know, the military is the only option. Like, yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden... You know, like all the stuff that they said wasn't going to happen happens and you were sitting on the couch. Sure. Yeah. Um, the whole that whole time was really crazy to me because so many people poo pooed the stuff that was being said, mm. like on the Reddits and stuff, you know. And I remember there was one specific thing and I was getting ready for was her name Kaylee? Was that the president's? McEnany? Yeah. Yeah. Her like the, the blonde girl. Yeah. The, yeah. The press secretary. Yeah. Her. I remember uh, one of the drops had said something about Mickey Mouse and then like 11 o'clock or whatever, or Minnie Mouse or something like that. And it was just funny to me to like hear people poo-poo everything about that movement. And I was like, I wasn't like a QAnoner by any means, but I was like, this is all really interesting shit. You mm-hmm. know, like even if it's not real, it's just interesting. Like it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, there's enough truth to it to be convincing. Yeah, for sure. You know? and. And, but like people still to this day will not admit that there was truth in it. But the one instance that was like, okay, something's happening here for me was they said something about like her press conference, Minnie Mouse and like oh, an yeah. exact time. The, the clock in the background. The clock in the background. I was like, you motherfuckers that don't believe any of this stuff. Like, how can you like this? When does something stop becoming coincidence? Right. You know, I think that's something that they used to say, right? Right. Um, but yeah, when does it? And I was like, holy shit this is it. Like, this is really happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it now. I mean, really, I'll tell you this. Like, if you look at this, I saw something recently that was really interesting. I think it was on Patrick Bet David's podcast. Mm. PBD. PBD. Um, he showed corporate funding for presidential candidates going all the way back to like Bush senior or something like that. And like yeah. on average over the last, you know, 30 years, each candidate was getting anywhere from like, and I'm, I might get these numbers wrong, like 800 million to 1.2 million backing them, trying to like- 800,000 you mean? Yeah, no, 800 million like total. Yeah, dude, a presidential campaign? What? Oh yeah, like all the corporations contributing and like major donors, it adds up to like a billion dollars for each. Wow. I, th- I'm, I think, I, correct Whatever, me if regardless, I'm wrong. they're getting- I'm using rough figures here so that I can illustrate this point. So he showed, you know, all, you know Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, Bush, all these people, right? It was right around 100, uh, like a billion. Mm-hmm. Biden, 2020, double that. So all, normally, 
you got half the corporations backing one candidate and half the corporations backing the other candidate. Some of them are backing both. Yeah. But like it's split between the two. 2020, all behind Biden. Jesus Christ, dude. So if that doesn't tell you, like up until now, I'm like, I don't know if Trump's an outsider or not. Like he, it seems like he is and I want to believe he is, but like maybe he's not. After seeing that, I'm like, he is. Like, there, yeah, he has some special interests. Yeah, he has some rich people and corporations that are behind him, but the vast, vast, vast majority are trying to, anybody but him. They're going to put their money behind anybody but him. <clears throat> oh, dude. Yeah, because I have my my stuff about Trump, too, where I'm just kind of like, at this point, I'm totally <clears throat> dissociated from politics. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, just because I'm like, it doesn't I affect care. my day to day. No, it doesn't. And the people that care so much that think it does affect your day to day, it literally does not. Maybe one it day can. will it. It can, but like, what are you gonna? What are you able to do about it? Like, right. COVID affected everybody, but like, how are you, how would you ever? How are you ever gonna stop that from happening to you? Yeah, and like, I guess the no argument could you be made. For, you know? Yeah, the argument could be made that like, with, if one person starts, another person will join. Another person will join. Yeah. Another person will join. But if you're not gonna be that person to start it, you probably shouldn't bitch about it. Yeah. Right. Like so. Like for me. I'm not going to be the person that like if COVID happens again, that's going up in arms and like trying to figure out how to like fight against it. Mm -hmm. I'm literally going to be in my house trying to figure out how to make more money. Right. Uh, you got to free yourself from that. Exactly. Like I don't want that responsibility. I want to take care of my family, my friends mm -hmm. and just <laughs> fuck dude, maybe, maybe figure out how to buy a bunch of land and mm -hmm. just live together. You know what right. I mean? But like, yeah, so I've dissociated myself, but the Trump thing kind of throws me off a little bit. Because I am in the same boat where I'm like, or in the same boat that you were, where I'm like, I don't know, is he corrupt? Like, is... Oh, he is. Yeah. But, like, everyone is at that level. Yeah, for sure. You're not going to get a presidential candidate that doesn't have... Like, you can't... It's kind of like the Mr. Olympia. Like, yeah. you don't get on that stage without doing steroids. Yeah, no, true. Like, it just, it just doesn't happen. Can't. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. So, so like, yeah, I mean, you're not going to be 100% satisfied with whatever candidate mm. and like am i 100 percent satisfied with trump fuck no yeah. but but um i know what you know what forces in this world are trying to like s turn the screws on you constantly that are trying to start wars and wreck our economy for the middle class and all this stuff and it's not it's not him he didn't start any wars economy was good i mean it's the proof is in the pudding yeah i gotta start this one one more time <laughs> all right so then here the last little touch on conspiracy stuff i guess yeah who do you think or why is like pushing the knobs and twisting the buttons and all that stuff who do you think is doing it and why um i mean defense contractors is probably number one yeah Pharmaceutical companies is probably number two. Um, you know, Hollywood and the music industry probably fits into that equation, and the mass media. Probably. At least they're helping. They're they're kind of the mouthpieces of yeah. these bigger corporations. But yeah, I mean, I would say like those two things are probably. I mean, if you look at Mexico, mm -hmm. what what is the biggest force in Mexico? The cartel. Yeah. And what do they do? They, they're military and pharmaceuticals. Yeah. So I think that America has just the same things happen. It's just they have like nicer suits. 
What do you think the point is? Money. Why? Oh, man. Well, when you're kind of like how you can't get on stage, Mr. Olympia, without doing steroids, you can't get presidential, you know, without being a little corrupt. You can't amass that much wealth, Mm -hmm. especially by like, you know, selling arms without being kind of psycho. So do you think like the whole (laughs) goal, though, is just money? Because talking about PBD, PBD on Joe Rogan's podcast recently was like, at one, at some point, it's got to be more than just money. It's yeah. It's got to be like well, yeah. power, influence, well, right. whatever. Well, if, if, if they can suck all the money out of the bottom half of the country, then mm-hmm. they can completely control yeah. the bottom half of the country. I really don't think, a lot of people think like, oh, we're in a recession and like the economy is going to collapse. I actually don't think that's going to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. I think 2024, you're going to see a big rally because they have to make Biden look good. That's part of it. But yeah. also... They're the corporations. They don't want to crash their economy. Yeah, totally. If they can make people, like, if they can grow wages, for instance, finally, so everybody can afford to live, mm-hmm. then if money doesn't matter, then there's, they can, you know, like the saying, go woke, go broke. Mm-hmm. Well, if no one's broke, no matter how woke, then they can go as woke as they want. Yeah, true. That's true. So that's why I think they're printing all this money because we're going to, yeah, we're going to, it's going to be like golden handcuffs. So why do you think they want people to be so woke? That's tough. I, I think that there are a lot of a lot of parallels you can draw between like what we're calling woke and you know what these corporations are doing and the culture wars and stuff like that and what we saw in communist China mm-hmm. and and like communist Russia. Yeah. I think that they're trying to get, you know, change tracks for the country like imagine a train if, if we can get on the woke tracks then we can get on the socialist tracks and we can get on the communist tracks like okay. if we can start there then we're already that's one step towards that but it would be more like corporate communism cause yeah i think for me i like to take it to a completely woo-woo place and i'm like is I there think, like a like a battle of good and evil going on yeah oh yeah i think it's like a spiritual war i agree with i think that there's a level of that yeah too. And I think, uh, I think that the powers that be have realized that they can like manifest things through, through the rest of us, mm-hmm. you know? And like, yeah. that's what the power struggle is, is that they want their families to be in power for the rest of eternity or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And so they use, they use us to like get there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I a hundred percent see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So cool. You are now in car sales. I like the segue. Yes, my political opinions. Now let's go into my... <laughs> Come buy a car for me. Um, yeah, uh, so the the music thing, like it did, I guess it didn't work out or really I just kind of ran out of money because yeah. you can only do that for so long without, you know, making money. So yeah. um, I kind of was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I've got a psychology degree. I'm a veteran. What is it? What, what would that even qualify for me for? And then, you know, my dad was in sales. My stepmom was in sales. My stepdad was in sales. So three of the four parents, you know, that I had growing up were in sales. That's who raised me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'd probably be good at that. Yeah. I'd probably be good at that, maybe. Um, I never thought about it because I'm more introverted than extroverted. I'm definitely more low-key. I recharge not, you know, my social battery only has so much. Yeah. Um, but 
I mean, essentially I just got over that. Like if you can get over that, it's uncomfortable, but mm -hmm. that's the, that was the only barrier. Once I could just shake a lot of hands and not, you know, get burnt out from that. Yeah. You know, if you're an introvert thinking about going into sales, like do it because yeah. you're a good listener. You know, if you're extroverted, you can, you have the gift of gab. Like you can talk your way out of like, out of situations. Like they ask you questions, you don't know the answer, but like you can kind of <laughs> work yeah. your way around it. Like, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like introverts are really good at sales too. Everybody has a different style, but yeah, if, if you can listen and you let someone talk. Problem. Yeah. Like, well, it, it's kind of like therapy. Like, uh, part of therapy is to help you figure out what's holding you back. Mm -hmm. Just just ask you questions and let you discover what's going on with yourself. Yeah. When you're selling a car, it's kind of the same thing. Like they come in like, yeah, I'm thinking about this car, maybe this car, that car. And I just know what questions to ask to bring you to, well, are you looking for bigger or smaller? Yeah. How many seatbelts do you need? You got kids? Right. And like all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I guess I do need a bigger car with a better crash rating or something yeah. like that. And it's like, okay, cool. Let's go look at them now. Yeah. You find out what matters. Right. Yeah. Yep. So I feel like... Um, in my career, my main career, I have that, like you say, it's kind of like therapy, right? Mm -hmm. And like drawing that parallel into like my career, same exact thing. Like I just sit and listen to people mm -hmm. like all day. I'm like, what? So like, even, aside Where from are we like, starting from, you know, like yeah. I can tell you what I think works, but like, what's going to work for you? What are you already doing? Yeah. What do you need? Right. Where you're at right now. And let's take a step from there. Yeah. Let's take a step from there. Like, what are your actual goals? Okay. How accountable are you by yourself? Like all those things, you know, and you just listen and then you find the solution to their problem and mm -hmm. then that's how you make the sale. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So how's that been going? Good. Um, I, I, I was, I feel, I don't like talking about like my success about, about it, but, um, you know, I've been doing it two and a half years. You have to, dude. Pop your shit. I know. Uh, <laughs> last two years, you know, between how many cars are sold and customer satisfaction, I'm like top 10 or 15 in the state That's at any sweet. given time. Um, for like a short period of time when I first started, I was number one in my region. Um, so That's sick. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, a, I'm like the furthest thing from what you would expect a car salesman to be like. Not doing lines of blow on your desk. <laughs> no, no, I don't even really drink energy drinks. Like maybe yeah. on Saturdays, that's about it. Sure. But, but like, and I'm not like a vulture, like out in the lot, like scanning my, my lot, Dude, like waiting yeah. for, waiting to pounce or whatever. I, you know, I'm, I'm very, um, low key. I just help people buy is yeah. really it. Like they're not, if they're in a dealership, like it takes a certain amount of courage, mm -hmm. generally speaking, to even walk into the car dealership. Cause you know, you're going to have to deal with a car salesman who's going to yeah. try to sell you or whatever. So I try not to be like that. I just try to, basically my philosophy is if they're in there, they're, they want to buy a car. It might not be today, but eventually they're going to buy a car. That's why they're there. I just want them to buy from me. Yeah. And the way to do that is to really help them figure out which car they want to buy. Cause they might be, yeah, I might get a car in like six months. And then I ask them about, well, what are you looking for financially? What are you trying to accomplish? And then all of a sudden I find a car that fits all their needs and they're like, yeah, why would I wait six yeah. months? And you know, it doesn't always work like that where they're buying a car right then. But I mean, you know, that's, that's just my kind of thing. Like if, you know, if it takes a long time to sell the car to a person, no problem. Like I just want to help them find the right car and then at the right time that they want to buy it. Do you think that that's part of why you're so successful is because like you genuinely have their best interests in mind? A hundred percent. Cause you know, Everybody has like a negative connotation on car sales. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. About by the like, way, by the way, and I, I got to defend my uh, trade a little yeah. bit. Uh, 
try dealing with car buyers every day. They're probably worse. <laughs> they're yeah. crazy, man. Yeah. There's something that happens in the mind of a person when they're ready to buy a car. They yeah. start getting like, they like oscillate between like excitement and imp impulsiveness uh. and like over being yeah. over analytical and like, and like skittish. They know more than the salesman. Yeah. Well, it's not me, but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, they're just like, like I'll give you an example, like a WRX buyer. Mm -hmm. A typical WRX buyer is someone who's very excited to get a sports car. Mm -hmm. They're usually someone our age, maybe a little younger. They can finally afford a car that's like like cool, and like they want it now. They yeah. want it right now. They can't wait. Like they like they get the idea in their head and they need it right now. Sure, yeah. Um, so like you know you might come in and be like, hey, listen, vehicle shortage. Like you want blue, you got to order it. Yeah okay, all right, we'll order it. Okay, it'll be here in three months. See you then. And then like two and a half months hit. I found a blue one on the lot at some dealership. Like it came in, I, I bought sure. that one. It's like, yeah. oh, all that work that we did together, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. just like, you yeah. couldn't wait two weeks to get the one you custom ordered. Right. You know, so, so that's why, you know, things like that'll happen. And yeah. that's why car salesmen turn into what they turn into. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would not want to be dealing with that every yeah. single day. There's no way. Um, what I think, what I found find really interesting about your car sales career is I used to work at that car dealership, by the way, but I was a detailer. Mm -hmm. But what I found, what I find interesting is the way you were telling me that you were going about getting leads in the first place mm. when you like first started blew my mind that people weren't doing that. You told me that you would go and I don't know, tell me if this is going to get you in yeah. trouble and I'll cut no. it out. But you were going in the computer and seeing people's maintenance history or yeah. something. And yeah. then you were getting leads from that. And you're like, nobody else is doing this. And yeah. I don't know why they're not doing that. And so to me, that like just showed that you might not be working for yourself, but like you're a go-getter. Yeah. You know, and which is like, you don't see that kind of work ethic in people who are employed by, at least not often. It's, it's seldom that you see that, that people have that kind of work ethic and they're going to figure out the problem on their own. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's... There's many different kinds of salesmen. Most are fishers. Mm. I'm a hunter. Yeah. So like most people are just sitting around waiting for a phone call or someone to walk in or, you know, like they get their internet leads and you know, like that's, yeah. they, they live off that. And, and most, you know, if you do a good job with that opportunity, mm. you can make a good life for yourself in car sales. You don't really need to, you know, do more than that to be successful at the job. Yeah. Um, but you're leaving a lot on the table if you don't, you know, follow up with your previous customers. Hey, who's the most, who's the person that's most jealous of your car? Like who, yeah. who's going to be the next one to buy a car? How can I help them? Sure. You know, you're really like trying to find business for yourself, not just yeah. relying on the dealership to do it for you. Right. The other thing that is super, super interesting. I, and I swear to God, my, my girlfriend, um, when this happened, I talked to her right away and I'm like, Ryan's going to crush it because of this reason. You created an, an Instagram yeah. for your for your car. I'm just gonna call it called car sales business for your sales business, mm -hmm. um, and that was something that blew my mind too because mm -hmm. I was like, dude, he's creating a brand. Yeah, you got to treat it like it's your business. Yeah, I mean, this is the nice thing about what I do, um, or like sales in general is like imagine you have a business and mm -hmm. it's uh, like a army. It's an army. Yeah, sales. The salesmen are like the Marines. They're like the frontline people that are like people come in, like the enemy or like the customer comes in and yeah. they got to handle them. Right. Yeah. And, you know, detailers are kind of like 
you know, like the supply, like the army supply guy, like mm -hmm. they're the, they're the support system around yeah. that. But like the primary thing that's bringing in business and that's driving business, closing deals, making money for the business sales is the salesperson. Yeah. So I really feel like it is my own. I treat it like it's my own business. Yeah. And you like, I try to, I try to treat, you know, like the dealership, like how would I want me to spend my time if I owned the business? Right. Yeah. Um, I have the benefit of not having to worry about, you know, losing money or, you know, I, I lose time. Yeah. You know, I can lose time, but I don't have to worry about overhead or employment or, you know, cleaning, cleaning you know, but like all the stuff that I can control, like I treat it like it's my own business. Yeah. hundred percent. And so like the, the, the literal words that I used when I was talking to Heather about it was, I was like, he's creating a brand around him selling cars at Subaru mm -hmm. wild, wild Subaru and Waukesha go buy a car from him. Yeah. Um, but then it was like a couple weeks after you came in here. I think you came in here last week. Yeah. Is that it? And you, you use the same words. You like, I branded myself. And I was like, I know I saw that. And you were like, no. And then you showed me that you made. Yeah. What is it? Oh, the key. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Then you have a slogan too. Right. Yeah. I, I heard, I heard someone, um, they, they branded themselves. They were, I forget his name. Like it's maybe Dan, the one eyed car guy. Yeah. He has like a, a eye patch and I'm like, <laughs> that's funny. God, that's so genius. Like yeah. it, it helps you remember. Cause that's the one thing, like I, th I forget what the statistic was. It was something like 80% of people that buy a car don't remember their salesman's name a year later. Mm. And I'm like, I am not going to be one of those 80 to 90% of salesmen where my people forget me. I'm going to yeah. be memorable. Right. So I don't dress like the other people do. Yeah. I don't talk like the other people do. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I do, I go, I try to go the extra mile. Like I had this key made, it says buying with Ryan. Yeah. That's it. sick. Um, kids love it. Yeah, fuck yeah. Dude. That's, <laughs> kids, the kids that's love sick. I bet you the adults love it. <laughs> a lot of the adults. They hold love that it key too. with pride. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet, dude. So, long story short, he's crushing it in the car sales biz. But it's a testament to, it seems like, in every single avenue that you've been in throughout your entire life music, military, school, mm. um, even your fitness life, I feel like, and um, now car sales, that you just, you really do get after it. Yeah. I, I hate losing. Yeah. I hate feeling like a failure. I think we all do. Yeah. I think most, not most, I think some people are better at ignoring that feeling of failure mm -hmm. than I am. Yeah. Like I, even if I'm getting like, you know, obviously not everything's school, but like if I feel like in life I'm getting a, a B or a B minus in something that might as well be an F. Like it's just not up to my standard. I agree with you. Um, there's certain things that I like, you know, that aren't a priority to me, but like, you know, the, the major things like my, my fitness and health, my career, mm -hmm. you know, my, my family life, my wife, you know, like that stuff. Like I, I, that's the most important stuff. And if you're not knocking it out of the park in those dimensions, like yeah. get, get to work to do that. Cause it's going to make your life so much easier and so much better. It might be hard work. Yeah. You know, like I, you know, I wake up early. Um, I actually listen to like car sales training videos, you know, pretty much every day lately, mm -hmm. um, just to kind of, you know, warm up my brain and, and be ready for the day and everything. Um, but you know, you just build up good habits over time. Yeah, that's great. So with that, the way that I end out the show is I ask three questions. Are you ready for the questions? Yeah. And you just kind of answered one actually. Okay. Um, what is your biggest goal for the next year? Mm. My biggest goal, for this year is to really 
really have such a good experience with my customers that they, I start getting a lot more referrals from them where they're like, they got to tell people like, oh yeah, you're going to buy a car. Like go, go see Ryan. Like I want to get that going. Cause that's going to, that could double my, my income that could double my life. You know, yeah, like, like if, if every car I sell, like I get another car sale out of it, mm -hmm. that's, so I'm really focused on trying to like create a good customer experience and, you know, just make that a reality. Part of it's that Instagram, getting my name out there, sharing videos and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's been my focus lately is okay. to really just get good at that. Nice dude. Um, the second one is what are you willing to sacrifice for that goal? I'm already sacrificing things for that goal. Um, I do not drink really. I mean, Saturday night. So car business, I get every Saturday night and Sunday off. So that's awesome. You know, like I can, you know, I can live with that. Yeah. So I don't dr really drink during the week. Like now that I'm done with my cut, mm -hmm. I might have a couple beers yeah. uh, on like a Wednesday or something, you know, day before my day off, but getting crazy, getting crazy, man. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I wake up early. I train, I learn, I try to learn and constantly improve. And you know, I'm, I'm not hanging out all the time with people. I'm not socializing because I need, I'm an introvert. So my social battery needs to be for, for selling Sales. cars. Yeah. yeah. It needs to be talking to customers. So yeah, I mean, I'm already kind of, that's kind of what I've been sacrificing lately is, is just time in the morning. I've been going to bed early, waking up early so I can get just better and learn new things. Yeah. Quick question before we get to the next one. Do you look at that stuff as a sacrifice or no? Um, or is it kind of like, this is the phase of life you're in? No, I don't, I, really, I don't see it as a sacrifice. It, it's making me stronger and better yeah. and happier. Like I'm, and it's going to lead to me being happier. So yeah, I guess I'm kind of sacrificing, but like, I don't, I don't want to be hung over. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, make bad decisions or, or, right. you know, things like that. So no, I don't really, another thing. A lot of, I love dubstep, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the dubstep shows happen on Friday night, but we have our Saturday morning sales meeting at 8.45 a.m. And we, that's the day that people come in and buy cars. So I have yeah. to be on point. Right. So I don't go out to shows on Friday nights, even though I'd love to. Yeah. The DJ gets on stage that I want to see at like 1 a.m. Dude, oh. I'm, I'm a pumpkin at that point. I can't, Fuck that. I'm, I'm 33. It's Dubstep life is a different life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you go to a pop punk concert and everything's done by 10. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. And then the last one is what are you not willing to sacrifice to achieve the goal? Um, my health and my, my strongest relationships, like family, you know, my closest friend, like I'm not going to sacrifice those things. Cause that's my anchor. Like I can, I can leave car sales tomorrow and start from scratch selling solar panels or real estate or something like that. And as long as I have my health and my family and all that, like as a, as a foundation, I can just, you know, within a couple of years, I'll be right back to killing it, you know, nice. and whatever else I do. Katie included in your family. Katie, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> That's his wife. Yep. Well, man, I, uh, I really appreciate you giving me your time and being on the pod. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for that. Thanks for having me. Everyone, like, subscribe. We'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Goodbye. <laughs> Dude, I love that. That was really good. Thanks. It felt like it like flowed super, 